Good evening, good evening. I think this thing's on. Breaker, breaker. Yep, it's on. You know, it's interesting. We had the choir concert here on Sunday, and the two people we forgot to thank were Cornell and Micah. <laughs> Round of applause. And this is doubly so. Micah's taken off tomorrow. He's going to go home to the Midwest. Where is it in the Midwest? Iowa. Iowa. You remember that movie, Field of Dreams? It says three times in that movie, is this heaven? Nope, Iowa. <laughs> that place is awesome. Oh, safe traveling mercies. You're a blessing to this place and a gift to me. I got one announcement, and that is that somebody needs to stop talking back there. And then uh, <laughs> I'm just messing. It's festive. I like that everybody's happy. This is good. Um, this evening... We have, there's a, something special about this flame right here. This flame right here is called uh, the Peace Light. And it's from, it originated at the Church in the Nativity in Bethlehem, which I, you, I have handouts. And on the back of those handouts, there's the whole story. I, I saw everybody looking at the picture going, wow, they gave us a picture of some candle. That's really nice. No, there's an explanation on the back about the specialness of this candle. This flame was taken from a lantern that has been burning nonstop for over two th or for a thousand years to commemorate the light that came into the world 2,000 years ago. For over 30 years, 1986, a Boy Scout from Austria traveled to the Church in the Nativity to light a lantern from that flame and then spread it as a symbol of the peace of Christ's birth brought to us. They call this flame the peace light, and it has been spreading farther and further around the world. Um, and last year, it reached Costa Mesa through my friend Eric Wayman, who's the head pastor of the Lighthouse Community Church. And so then I got the light from him, and that's where it is, right there. Look at that thing. I've been keeping that thing lit for 24 hours. and Yeah, that's a round of applause to me and this amazing light. And so we're going to be lighting that candle, uh, the light, lighting the Christ candle from that lantern. And then I'll blow it out because I know it kind of stinks in here. Let's stand up and greet one another in the name of the Lord. And I'll call us back together in a second. All right, all right. I made a promise to a young man named Wyatt that we're going to make this service short. So everybody get to your seats. And I'm going to invite my family up here. And we're going to be lighting the Christ candle. We're going to be first lighting all the other four candles. But that's my wife, Malia Lynn McCandless Griffiths. That's my daughter. She is 10, I believe. Her name is Elsie. <laughs> Elsie Linda Sue Griffiths. And here comes Ezekiel. Hey, you got to slow down. You're about to blow that thing out. Okay. Okay. You can start reading, I think. Does that mic on yet? Let me make sure this isn't. Yep, it isn't. Everybody, round of applause, Elsie Linda Sue. Go. We light this candle, the candle of hope, as a sign of the coming light of Christ, as the Lord has promised in days to come. Hold on a second. We're waiting for these four, and then you'll, you'll read that. Now, this is the tricky part. Everybody, hold your breath. Oh, you have to relight that one. Oh, okay. 
The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. Is there even a wick in there? Okay. Let's stand and worship the Lord, singing joy to the world. May be seated. So I'm going to be sharing the scripture with you that tells the Christmas story, all those things that the angels foretold to Mary from the Gospel of Luke. Hear the word of the Lord. In those days, a decree went out from the Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, 
the time came for her to deliver the child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. This is the word of the Lord. sing those year round. That's ridiculously good. A couple words before we get to scripture. I'm reading this Advent. I was reading this Advent booklet that we handed out and it changed what I was going to preach. I was going to preach a message simple and we're still reading the text I was going to preach Luke 2 21. I was going to preach a just 
a message of serving through the mundane. But then I read this devotional. I want to read it to you before I read our scriptures this evening. A Pitcher Awaits. This is the first week of Advent, Wednesday, in some book called Hope, Hopeful Living, special edition, celebrate the season of Advent. A Pitcher Awaits. For I will pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Each year, our, that was Isaiah 44, 3, and I'll get to that in a second. Each year, our family gathers around the Christmas tree to watch the oldest child hang the ceramic pitcher ornament. This generation is the sixth to honor this miniature decoration. Those of us old enough to imagine our ancestors hanging the same piece rejoice that they too anticipated Jesus' birth together. This empty pitcher represents our thirst for Jesus' presence always. During Advent, we look at it excitedly, knowing it will soon be filled with the blessing of Jesus' arrival. He is coming to pour out our blessings on all of us. This woman name is Lisa, Lisa Hewell, and she's from Littleton, Colorado. And it made me think of, there's a professor at Duke Divinity, uh, Duke Divinity School, uh, William uh, Howarwas, or Willimon, Will, William Willimon, and he always says, Ruining your parents' dreams for Jesus. He's the chaplain for Duke University. And he's, he's, he's saying, let's rattle it up a little bit. So this is going to be a different Christmas Eve service. This is going to be a different Christmas Eve sermon because it hit me that I think we need to mix things up a little bit. You know what I mean? Does anybody awake? What's going on with you people? <laughs> See, everybody's looking at me like, I'm not supposed to do so. You want me to dance or something? No. Listen, I just get okay, interactive. We're good. Everybody's awake. Sarah's here. Everybody's here. Okay. I'm going to read that Isaiah passage again, and then I'm going to read Luke 22, 21, and then I'm going to read John 7, 37 through 39. Let me pray for us. God, I pray that anything that's of you would speak through me and penetrate the hardest of hearts and changes forever. Anything of me, may it fall on deaf ears and fall to the ground. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. And then this goes ahead to Luke. After eight days had passed, it was time to circumcise the child, and he was called Jesus, the Greek version of Yeshua, the Messiah, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And then John 7, 37 through 39. On the last day of the festival, that is the festival of booths, the great day, while Jesus was standing there, he cried out, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the spirit, which believers in him were to receive. For as yet there was no spirit because Jesus was not yet glorified. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. First, that Isaiah passage. 
Isaiah, written, he was a prophet. He saw this before Jesus, you know, a couple hundred years, maybe even thousands of years before Jesus shows up. He has a picture of the Messiah. And he has the picture of a Messiah, and it's crystal clear. And he says, the Messiah is going to roll in, and it's going to be like water in desert. Have you ever been to the desert? Yes. What do you want there? Water, right? Have you ever felt like this world is a parched land? I have. I know I've gone years in my life where I've, I've just craved some life some joy. And this Messiah, this Isaiah, this prophet is picturing this day of this Messiah rolling in and there being water flowing and everyone is just overflowing and blessed beyond compare. Then the Luke passage. I just kept it in there because I was going to preach on it. But I also want to, this is Christmas Eve, right? So you got to mention, you know, it's, it's absolutely astounding that God emptied himself into the form of a little baby. And it's such a connector with me and hopefully with you that they, Mary had to get up the next day, change his diapers, make sure he was fed, make sure he was clothed, make sure he's warm enough, make sure he's rocking. Who, I wonder if Jesus was a colicky baby. Right? My son, that kid, oh man, you're a gift now, but whoo! Ezekiel, he was crazy as a child. He was, when he was born, the night he was born, he, they put him in the way station and he, he rolled over, which he technically wasn't supposed to be able to do, and he tried to climb out of the way station. The nurse said, I've never seen that. Awesome. Anyway, I wonder if Jesus is like that. It's the mundane. It's the, what do you do after the Christmas and all the, all the wrappings or the presents are undone and all this other stuff? You clean up and you go on with your life and you look for meaning and depth. That devotional triggered that last passage in my mind. Picture this. It's the Festival of Booths, which is the Festival of Tabernacles, which is Sukkot. If you have any Jewish friends, you, you know that Sukkot is, they, they celebrate the time that God took care of them while they're in exile, while they're cruising around in the desert. And if they're an Orthodox Jew family, they set up a tent somewhere in their house. And that's a special place during the week of Sukkot. And every evening they go in there and they do their devotionals and they pray and they praise God and they break bread together, all celebrating that God gets us through the deepest of valleys. And then at the end of this, it's to celebrate the fact that they walked into the promised land. Joshua led them into the promised land. And when they did that, it was, it was the promised land. It was, they win. It was glorious. It was beautiful. And so at the end of the festival, usually the high priest or whoever's running the show gets up there and he dumps a bucket full of water, which is in Jerusalem or Israel, it's, it's a, it's a high-priced commodity. And he just dumps it all over the altar. And it's just... But what does Jesus do? Jesus stands up there 
And he actually quotes from a verse that they usually say. He says that Isaiah passage, and he says, Isaiah 43, 19. I am about to do, oh, he actually, I'm about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And then he's, instead of, and then he's, he, instead of saying this passage, for I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground, I will pour my spirit upon the descendants and my blessings on your offspring, that Isaiah 44, 3, he says, I'm going to give something that's going to pour out and anybody who wants to come at any time can go here. It's a, it's a bottomless well. It's a bottomless resource. It's a bottomless engine, engine or power source. He's making a simple correction. First, he's making the correction that, first and only, he's making the the correction that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, his first arrival is to pay for our sins and link us up with the Holy Spirit, not to usher in the streams in the desert. So we're supposed to be waiting for his second arrival when he will set up that. But he's, he's saying, and John interprets that, right? The last verse. Throw the verses back up. Can you do that? Zeke, are you doing PowerPoint? What, what? Good job. That's my son. He's doing PowerPoint for the first time. No, no, that other one, the John one. Keep going, keep going. No, keep going. Next one. John is interpreting. John's the writer of this gospel, and it's the last one to be written, and he's this old wise man. And I always go to John when you want to hear the real, like the gritty. And he's, he's saying, now he said this about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Now, this is a simple correction, but it's a huge correction, and it still needs to be made today. And I'm a culprit of it, too. I'm a culprit of describing Christianity as you get Jesus You get Jesus, and then you just wait for him to come back. You get Jesus, and you just wait until he comes back. And I used to always say, why does he have us here? Why does he stick Why why am I still here? You know? And I would ask him, and he would say, maybe it's to spread my word. Keep Billy Graham, you know? Keep somebody that's way better at spreading his word and, keep, and take me out of this place. Maybe it's to love people. Have you, you remember that Mother Teresa lady? Have you met Sharon? You just keep Sharon. I went out. This place stinks. <laughs> Jesus is talking about something different than just having him as Lord. Jesus is talking about a life. We think that receiving Jesus and being in Jesus is his end game, but that isn't. Jesus' end game is actually to hook us up with the Holy Spirit 
and have God flowing through us and us to experience true life, us to experience what it means to be used by God to create and encourage and embolden and love and heal and passionately listen. Is everybody following? It's a simple invitation. It's a simple invitation. I want to read a a quote by this guy named Dale Bruner. Real smart dude. He says this. Please come here to me and drink away. The confession of need is the only requirement of access. And then it is the giver who pleads with us to enjoy. Drink away. So simple is John's and the whole New Testament's teaching on the filling of the Holy Spirit. Any complicating or qualifying of Jesus' one simple condition for this sheer gift is a kind of sinning against the Holy Spirit and is to be avoided like the plague. It's simple. It's simple. When's the last time you went to the Holy Spirit and said, what do you want me to do? What is the, when's the last time that you said, God, move through me that I might experience true life? I tell you, it's a scary thing. And me as a pastor, I'll be first to confess, I don't do it enough. But those moments are absolutely astonishing. I'll tell you about one of them. One one was like a year ago. And I'll tell you one about just a couple days ago. One was a year ago. I'm at this place called Rain Cafe up above uh, the 210 freeway up in Pasadena. Anybody been to Pasadena? Anybody been to Rose Parade? I'm just looking for people to connect with, okay? Okay, (laughs) jeez. Okay, I'm out there. She has been to the Rose Parade, amen. Now, I'm up there in this Rain Cafe, and I'm eating dinner with my, my sister. What is, what's her? Sister-in-law, that's what it is. I got a little brother. She, he's married to this girl. Her name's Jamie. This African-American woman walks past, right as I'm about to walk up, and I honestly hear the Holy Spirit say, tell her she's beautiful. <laughs> what's the problem with this scenario? Can anybody see the problem with this scenario? <laughs> A gorgeous young African American woman and a big hairy white dude <laughs> checking out of this restaurant and saying, Hey, God wants me to say that you're beautiful. I was like, No. <laughs> and so I'm waiting in line and her, her, her credit card doesn't go through. And the Spirit says, Pay for her meal. And I said, Okay, that's easier. <laughs> Baby steps. <laughs> Baby steps, right? So I pray for her meal, and she says, why did you do that? And I look at her, and I say, you know, it's, this might sound weird, and I prefaced it with all kinds of crazy. I'm, I'm married, you know, like, this isn't, this isn't a come on or nothing. This is, I just, I, I, I'm a follower of God, and I, I think God wants me to tell, me, tell you, wants me to tell you you're beautiful. And she said, wow, thank you so much. And then she walks back, and I can see her. She's talking to her mom. And her mom starts tearing up. And I I walk past her, and she says, you're a pastor, aren't you? 
And I said, yeah. And she said, thank you. We needed that. That's a, that's a good story. That gives me goosebumps. That's a real nice one. A couple days ago, well, actually, it was last week, yeah. Last week, we're reading in this thing, this devotional, Wrecking Lives for Jesus' Name. You remember back to Willimon. It just rattled some stuff loose, and it was the devotional about making room for Jesus, making room for him at the inn. And so as I'm doing this, we're reading this, we're like, this is cool. We now have a big enough place that we can house people, but we don't have anybody. You know, this is going to be easy. This is going to be an awesome Christmas or whatever like that. Friday rolls around, this last Friday. My friend from high school, a girl named Caroline Descalzo, you probably met her. She was at church on Sunday with about 20 people. They were sitting right here. She's Peruvian. Anyway, I don't want to throw that in there. She calls me and says on Friday, hey, I have a friend of a friend of a friend who needs to stay in your house. And I said, what? When? Tonight. (laughs) Tonight. I tell you, having this dude around, and he's staying through Christmas, having this dude around is making me feel alive. There's people out there that need to know that they're invited into your house. There's enough sitting around and resting on our laurels and knowing we're saved. We need to be leaning into these people that need to be loved like we've been loved by the God of the universe who sent his one and only son for each and every one of us. Applications. Plug into the Holy Spirit. Plug into the Holy Spirit. If you read a book by, uh, what's this, Bill Hybels about evangelism, it all comes down to how do you evangelize? You ask the Holy Spirit, who should I say what to? If you ask Gil, we're in the Bible study the other day on Tuesdays, how do we become holy? Gil, what did you say? Where are you, Gil? Are you still awake? What did you say? Plugged into the Holy Spirit. Do you remember that? It was two weeks ago. Create holy habits. And I'm going to help you with that. Because uh, I had a bunch of these made. My buddy owns a laser printer. And he printed out a bunch of these, or a laser cutter, whatever the thing's called. It's an ornament of a pitcher with Isaiah 44, 3 on it. And each family, make sure you grab one of these on the way out. And as you maybe go home tonight, maybe this is the last ornament you put on from here on out. And you remember that this isn't just about God sending his son into the world. This is about God sending his son into the world that he might send us into the world, filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, now we're going to hear from a bass soloist, Tom Ringland.
beautiful in honor of being given so much and also because God loves to liven our lives by challenging us to share we receive this evening's tithes and offerings
Let us pray together. Holy Lord, we pause to ponder the simple birth of our Savior, the Christ child. The shopping is complete. The gifts are wrapped. The concerts have been sung. The trees have been trimmed. The meal for Christmas dinner has been planned. But tonight, tonight we pause. Tonight we listen for your voice from heaven. Tonight we gaze in wonder as the shepherds did and partake in the mystery of your birth. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We pray for a world in desperate need of you, Lord Jesus. We need you, Lord. Oh, how we need you. Use us, Lord, to be your light in this world and point the way to you. Use us, Lord, to spread your joy in this world, to share a smile and a word of encouragement, to tell each other you're beautiful. Use us, Lord, to bring peace and restoration to our frenetic and broken world by first finding our center in you. From the lips of a theologian and civil rights activist, Howard Thurman, spoken more than a half century ago, let this be our prayer tonight. When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with the flocks, then, then the work of Christmas begins. To find the lost, to heal those broken in spirit, to feed the hungry, to release the oppressed, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among all peoples, to make a little music with the heart, and to radiate the light of Christ every day, in every way, in all we do, and in all we say. Then the work of Christmas begins. Let that be our prayer tonight. We unite with our brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world, praying as you taught your disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Would you please stand for the benediction? And I want to give us uh, first an announcement. You can stand while you you can listen and stand, right? (laughs) Awesome. We're going to be, after I say the benediction, we'll start singing Silent Night, and we're going to be passing the light, actually, that came from Bethlehem. And we're all going to get to carry it. The the rule is the, the light that's lit stays up and down. And the one doing the lighting goes sideways, okay? Like, the way I'm going to light this is that stationary, I light this, and then 
people will come up and light from mine. You, everybody follow that? That way no eyebrows get singed and we get no wax on the, on the carpet. And then also make sure that you each grab one as a family of these reminder that we have a river of life flowing through us. May God's face shine upon you. May the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit guard and keep you. And may the peace of Christ, which transcends all understanding, guard your heart and your mind today, tomorrow, and forevermore. May it be so. Amen. Merry Christmas. Go be the light in the world.
ornaments. Oh, you got the ornaments right there. 